This week on The Clubhouse, Anthony and I continue our stadium road trip through the Midwest. If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to our last road trip show, I recommend you start with episode 16 so you can follow along from ballpark to ballpark. After disagreeing about our last stadium experience in Milwaukee, Anthony and I are back on the same page here in beautiful Minneapolis. We also get into a spirited discussion about the best mascot in all of baseball. This episode was recorded in our seats at Target Field and in our rental car as we headed towards Kauffman Stadium. Blue Jays win it! Touch them all, Joe! You'll never hit a bigger home run in your life! Got him! 20 strikeouts! He ties the Major League record! There it goes! See ya! I don't believe what I just saw! And he's out by five feet at the plate! And that was the worst base running in the history! And here we are, sitting inside the beautiful Target Field in downtown Minneapolis. We have the skyline in front of us. We have the Target Center directly in front of us where the Minnesota Timberwolves play their home games. The Twinkies are currently winning 5-1. to one. Brian Dozier hit a home run. Joe Maurer hit a home run. Back to back. Back to back. Jacks. That's the first time we've seen back to back, right? Um, I don't believe so. I believe Texas had back-to-back jacks. I believe uh, Princey and uh, Beltre had back-to-back jacks. That does not sound good for the Twins. That is a home run for Manny Machado. Opposite field home run for Manny Machado. But, Anthony, this is not technically your first visit to Target Field, as we did walk around the concourse a little bit yesterday after our unbelievably interesting interview with Stu Thornley, the official scorer of the Minnesota Twins. But this is your first game experience here at Target Field. What are your thoughts? Well, it's such a nice antidote to the last stadium that I'm going to slag on some more, uh, Miller Park. It's so much more pleasant in here, I can't even tell you. I feel so much better in every way. <laughs> so that's one thing. No, it's really nice. Um, it's very, it's a, I mean, it's a perfect, beautiful summer day, which helps, but it's just like, it's a nice, there's a very open feeling to the stadium, which I like, and the, and the, the lightness of the, there's, I don't know if it's sandstone exactly, uh, that's part of the structure of the, of the, the stadium, facade a bit, but I've, I just feel like that's a, something about that is very eye-catching relative to the green of the wall and the green of the grass. Um, very good color scheme here, I believe. I, I think, you know, we have some green seats and we also have kind of, uh, so most of the stadium is covered in green seats, but uh, behind home plate and what I'm assuming is their club level, there are some yellowish beige seats uh, that are in full display because it's not a full sold out crowd here for a noon start time on a Wednesday afternoon, but really great color scheme here at Target Field. Um, you know, I'm gonna say this, uh, this is now my third time here at this, this, this park and I saw something at a baseball stadium that I've never seen before. It's not the picture of it. You can see it at clubhousepodcast.com. They sell Indian food here at Target Field. Is there a big Indian population in Minneapolis area? Not that I'm aware of. I know that there's a big Indian population in places like Chicago and Toronto and places like that, but I'm not completely aware of that. So, I mean, good on you, Target Field, for having a little bit of uh, uh uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. And that is a Chris Davis home run. So back-to-back for the Twinkies, back-to-back for the Oreos. It is now five to three in favor of the home like, team. No, I'm just trying to say this is a game between snack foods, the Twinkies and the Oreos. Oh my goodness, it is. The Twinkies and the Oreos. I'm not a fan. I'm not a fan of you <laughs> demeaning their storied franchises with your nicknames. It's loving. It's all on love. Hey, as you know, I'm rooting for, despite the fact that the Minnesota Twins are currently embroiled in a, a rivalry with uh, my Detroit Tigers, I am rooting for the home team as I always do in every ballpark that I go to. I voted for Brian Dozier today. I, I turned to you and I said, if Brian Dozier hits a home run, I'm gonna vote for him. And you saw me vote for him. This is true. So when I say Twinkies and Oreos, I say it with love. All right, fine. But uh, there's another weird feature that I just have to uh, say. <laughs> I'm just registering my protest. 
in the player portrait <laughs> on the scoreboard. Okay. The first time through the lineup, the when the Twins were at bat, their player portraits were of the players in like sort of business, or I don't even know, like festive attire, even like like a nice collared shirt and a and a blazer. And I was disturbed by this. It's a it's to me. If you're in a ballpark, you're the ball player. I want to see you in your uniform. So the second time that through the order, they their portrait was of them like holding a bat with the uni. You're talking about on the scoreboard, video board there. Yeah, when normally you'll see next to the player stats, they'll have a nice photo of their face in their uni. Yes, most of them were dressed in, in their their sun. Yes, they were dressed in like some sort of weird like. But most of them were in 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 suits. I believe one of them. I can't remember who it was. I did snap a picture of someone maybe could not afford a suit and just had a nice collared uh, shirt on. I think he was called up for the minors. So. I think that may have been it. Uh, but but this, this disturbed me. This I disturbed enjoyed me. it. I think it's a little fun and it's a little bit different. And they're classy gentlemen here in Minnesota. They also hear, you know, they have a lot of, uh, there's a couple of video boards. And on one of the video boards throughout the game, they've had some fun stats, some fun, interesting. Uh, uh, one of the players' favorite activities was playing the hacky sack. Uh, one of the favorite players, uh, one of the movies... The players, excuse me, favorite movies was uh, 61. Like, they have just interesting little tidbits uh, throughout the game, which I like. Um, you've got the giant uh, Minnie and Paul in straightaway center field. I like that. I like that very much. The I two like, men like, shaking hands yeah. every time a home run is hit. I like good cartoon, like, art anyway. I'm, I've always been a fan of that sort of, like, fun comic booky or cartoon style. And so I feel like it's it's... It's, it's kind of cute and adorable that cute and adorable that's redundant well and here's uh, a to have that in the, in the ballpark here it's nice. and here's a piece of uh, free advice for you uh, for the twins organization out there get rid of a uh, TC bear or TC twin you know the your, your mascot that you currently have and just have Minnie and Paul uh oh oh no no all right warning track power for Steve Pierce looks it looked bad off the bat but Made it about 402 feet. It didn't make a great sound. It didn't make a great sound, but it looked good. The arc looked good. But so back to my point, I believe they should replace their current bear mascot, which doesn't really make much sense to me, with Minnie and Paul. I want to see two old-timey gentlemen running around this ballpark shaking hands with folk. Exactly, because now we have, you know, whether you like him or not, I'm not sure how I feel about him. Clark, you know, is the mascot of the Cubs now. He's a bear. There's a bear in the league. Come on. There's a bear in the Major League Baseball. There aren't any other bears allowed. That wow. was my, what's his name, that comic you shared with me? Paul F. Tompkins? That was my Paul F. Tompkins. Oh, there aren't any other bears. We were listening to a little Paul F. Tompkins uh, on the drive. and um, not a bad for uh, my first time listening to him. I, I, I think you need to hear that it was okay, so I will tell you that was okay. No, but, but, uh, know, it wasn't terrible. <laughs> it wasn't awful. So, uh, <laughs> but, uh, so, yeah. So, you know what? Maybe uh, when we're driving from Minnesota to Kansas City, which is our next stop, We'll do a little mascot discussion about our favorite mascots, maybe least favorite mascots. But is there anything else you'd like to say about uh, Target Field? Well, I'm not surprised that my experience here has felt wonderfully pleasant because, you know, Minneapolis, in general, my experiences here, I've not been here very much, but... It's a cool town. But it's a cool town, but, you know, it's the Midwest, and it's like that thing that the Midwest prides itself on, and my experience of being a Midwesterner is like that sort of, like, you know, welcoming warmth and politeness and, you know, keeping it simple. And the, the ballpark, it does feel that way. It feels inviting and warm and and very pleasant. The whole day has been very pleasant. And and that's not surprising to me, but it's nice to see that it, it it's the case. I could not agree more. I, I am a big fan of this ballpark. So, ladies and gentlemen, I think that's going to be it for us. we got a couple more innings left here. Let's see if the... The Twins can hold on to this this lead that they've got that they're clinging to currently. But the next time we talk to you, we will be on our way driving from Minnesota to Kansas City for our... You, our, know, you have no funny pronunciation of Kansas City. You only have funny pronunciation of... Uh, Missouri. We, we can call Kansas City, Missouri. You know, but that, that's, that's a little... And that is the end of the inning. Listen to this crowd. Pretty good crowd for a 12 noon start on a Wednesday. So yes, so Minnesota to Kansas City, Missouri will be our next drive. So we'll talk to you guys next time when we're in the car. Back in our rental car, Anthony and I wrap up our visit to the Twin Cities before diving deep into the world of baseball mascots. 
mascots in baseball can be a very divisive subject. We would love to hear your thoughts on your favorite or least favorite costume rabble rousers. Join in on the discussion on Twitter at ClubhousePod or email us at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everybody. We are currently heading south on, is this 35? Yes. It is on 35 as we head from Minnesota to Kansas City, Missouri to catch a Kansas City Royals game, which I'm very, very excited about because I am a huge fan of Kauffman Stadium. We'll get to that uh, a little bit later. For now, I just want to wrap up a little bit of our our, uh, trip here in Minnesota and talk about uh, how much we really enjoyed Minneapolis. And you spent a little bit of time in St. Paul as well, but just the Twin Cities of Minnesota are a pretty cool place to be. Yeah, I'd only ever been there in the cold before, which is... (laughs) Like earlier this year, I think it was the first, only the second time maybe um, where I'd been in Toronto when it wasn't cold out, you know, so uh, it's nice to experience some of these wonderful cities in nicer weather. (laughs) It is, you know, being from the Midwest, uh, you know, growing up in Michigan, it is one of those things where several months of the year in a lot of these places, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, uh, Michigan, et cetera. Canada land. Canada, uh, you know, it's... It can be kind of miserable, and especially if you're not an outdoorsy type of skiing, tobogganny, snowboardy, snowball fight having folk. Um, but there's some really, really beautiful parts of this country that, for at least three, four months of the year, it's a lot of fun to be around. And you know, I was genuinely surprised. I mean, I've been to Minneapolis a couple times, mainly for games, mainly for 24 hours at a time, and then I'm pretty much out, so I haven't really ventured too far. But uh, Anthony's awesome, amazing friend, Cade, who uh, welcomed us into his home, kind of showed us around a little bit. And we had some of the best food I think I've had in a very long time. And I was actually pretty taken aback at how good. I had a great bison burger. I had a great shrimp flatbread. I had some great pastas. I had some great Arctic char. Just really, really good food. I didn't expect you to go into such detail about the food you ate. That's funny. I really like the food I ate. No, it's yeah, I did too. It was it was great. I also had uh, I, my friend Jeremy lives in um, St. Paul, and which you know the Twin City, and I had never been to St. Paul before this, as far as I know, anyway. And um, and there was this local ice creamery called Izzy's that had uh, delicious vegan ice cream as well as their normal regular old ice cream, and so I was I was happy for that. Um, and uh, yeah, so I didn't, yeah, I didn't necessarily expect it would be a foodie, a foodie trip, but I'm happy that it was because it's always nice. Two of my passions, baseball and food, good food. That isn't, yeah, I don't sit around just plowing my face with food. <laughs> no, you, you got, no, you've got, a, you've got a, a refined palate. You, you appreciate a good meal, which is not something that I actually, I'm not a foodie. I, my brother-in-law, uh, who you all heard in the uh, Chicago White Sox episode, he is a foodie. He is a gentleman who knows quite a lot about good food and how to make good food and how to find good food. And I think I frustrate him every once in a while because uh, for me, food is food. It's, it's a source of sustenance, of nourishment, of energy. I can appreciate a good meal every once in a while, but I really don't really seek it out that much. But here in Minnesota, I'm, I'm always happy when it is uh, brought to me. When, when that sounds a little hoity-toity, but when Jeez. some... I know, I just realized as it came out of my mouth... Come, boy, bring me my fiddles! <laughs> it sounded very kingly. I, I don't mean brought to me in the way of being... I just mean introduced to me is probably a better way that I should have said that. Um, but, uh, yeah, so Minnesota was amazing. Uh, the the park, you know, uh, Target Field, you know, we, we talked a little bit about it while we were sitting there. It is a, a really, really nice park. You know, not top 10 by any stretch, but certainly not. it's kind of, you know, upper tier, but not near the top. I really, really like it, but certainly better than the Dome. And as always, it's great when the home team wins, and uh, we had a fun time. Agreed. So now, I want to switch gears a little bit. This was inspired by our, our site of the TC Bear at Target Field, and we haven't really talked too much about mascots in baseball. You know, mascots in sports are, are huge. You know, actually, I, I'm not sure when that started. Check out clubhousepodcast.com, and I will try and find some research material there for, for you folks to, to take a look at as far as what the history, the lineage of the professional sports mascot is. I imagine 
it's maybe something from the old carnival days. I'm not sure. But regardless, baseball is full of mascots. And before we get started into this list that I have found on the interwebs, I just want to get, Anthony, your thoughts on what you're, just what do you think about mascots in general? Are you for it or against it? Um, I'm, I'm probably mostly for it. I mean, I don't really mind either way. Um, I think it's kind of a strange thing, but it's also kind of fun. It's, you know, it's goofy. It's weird in a way. Again, I keep going back to, you know, Wrigley doesn't have these things in the f- playing field area. So I'm not used to, it's not like a memory of mine as a kid that I remember being entertained by mascots per se. Somewhere along the line, I'm sure I saw some footage of the Philly Fanatic that might be the earliest mascot that I'm aware of. But as far as your personal interaction, I think it's different when you see it on television versus, so like you didn't go to a lot of Bulls games as a kid and or, or any Bulls games, yeah. So, okay, so you really didn't do any other sporting events that had mascots when you were a kid and you didn't have a lot of one-on-one time or even just watching them do their wacky antics uh, on, on the court, stadium, ice, field, what have you. And I, I think probably one of the first times as an adult going to ballparks the uh, in in Pittsburgh, the is he called the Jolly Roger the or whatever? Oh, are you talking about the the, the parrot. parrot or the, the, the I think it's it's well you know what we're gonna get to him I believe it might be Petey Parrot or something I don't know well there is the Jolly Roger who is a, a pirate but uh, I believe he is an actual pirate not okay. a parrot but there's also the parrot but anyway my my friend uh, when I was working in Pittsburgh um, we became friends and he he worked for the pirates organization and sometimes he would be the guy who would shoot the hot dogs in the with the, with the air pump gun <laughs> sure. things. and sometimes he'd be actually a mascot himself so i mean i i sort of learned more about that just from talking to him and he really you know he had a good time doing that job I and mean, he's a he's an actor and director like that was his survival job at the time and now he's actually supporting himself as a director in pittsburgh which is cool but anyway so um as we've been doing this tour, we we honestly haven't seen. It's not like they're always around. No, no, they're 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 not overbearing as they are sometimes in other sports. And I mean, we're sitting in the seats that generally they would be at. Because normally when you go to games, the mascots don't generally generally go to the upper decks, the upper levels. They kind of tend to stick around near the dugouts, near the field, near the the uh, uh, yeah field level seats. And I'm trying to think where. When you were in Seattle, did the moose uh, ever pop around anywhere? I think the moose was made one appearance early at some point, but I was and I was confused by that. I like, why is it a moose? <laughs> and he kind of looked so much like Bullwinkle, which seemed like a ripoff. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't we start going through this list, and and you know maybe it'll spark some memories here, or maybe it'll just give us an excuse to look at some very well wacky pictures of. I'm I'm staring right now at at the number 27 uh, mascot on this list, which so it's I, not all 30 because not all 30 teams have it, right? Yes. So this is and this is the only official MLB mascot rankings you'll ever need or want. Uh, I'm being led to believe that this was made by a 10 year old boy. So let's be careful about how we uh, trash this poor kid's list. But uh, it's, uh, I'll put the, the link on, it's on Fox Sports. So let's let's give this a start here. And we've got number 27, the Atlanta Braves, Homer the Brave, which, do you want to describe? Uh, I mean, I know what I think he looks like, but what do you think? Yeah, what? it looks like a ripoff of Mr. Met. It's a really low-rent version of Mr. Met with a very odd-looking nose and just not a great look. The the very long droopy eyes. Uh, the caption here is, uh, though this baseball head ma- mascot is unoriginal, it is certainly less offensive than the Braves' previous mascot, Chief Nakahoma, which, yes, oh boy. I, I do agree with that. My favorite name is a pun made in the style of the language of somebody. So, home of the Brave, you are bringing up the rear. Let's go to number 26. We've got the uh, Texas Rangers, Rangers captain, who oh, is a, like a horse. horse. Yeah, he yeah. is a horse, which, yeah, yeah. which that makes sense. And this is a horse in a Rangers uniform, which is what you'd expect from Texas. He has a long bleach blonde mullet and throws smoke, which is once again what you would expect from Texas. So I don't have much interaction with the uh, uh, Rangers captain, but he seems unoffensive enough. Sure, but you know, it's a weird looking, uh, um, it's a, just aesthetically, the, it looks, it doesn't look like a, it's not like a good looking horse. No. Or cartoonish enough to be like a silly horse. Yeah, it's kind of a horse that you would, like, like a, I don't know if you remember this when you were a kid, uh, this may have been an Indian thing, I don't even know actually, 
but we would have a stick with a horse's head on top of it, like a you know a, a like a hobby horse, like a like a like what do they call it? Yeah, where you would ride around, run around with a stick between yeah, your legs. Yeah, and, yeah. And so I used to, so it kind of his head kind of looks like just a larger version of that, yeah. of just a horse that you would ride around with, which is kind of odd. Um, but here we want to move to twenty five. Number twenty five on this list actually is a lot lower, a lot lower than I thought. Um, the Toronto Blue Jays mascot Ace. Ace is a human-sized blue jay with attitude. He looks pretty tough and is always gesturing as such. When you're from the mean streets of Toronto, I guess you sort of have to be. What I like about Ace, and I've seen Ace, is that he will, I, oh, I'm constantly seeing him taking pictures with babies, which I always love. It's adorable to see someone hold a baby up next to his big bird face and snap a photo. He also uh, will deliver the ball to the mound and do a couple little warm-up pitches and kind of pantomiming, sticking his little feathered butt in the air. And, you know, it, he gets into it a little bit. And he, uh, he's got the big uh, maple leaf flag that he runs up and down the, uh, the field there. So I think he does a good job. And yeah, this, I, had, I, had, I enjoyed Ace. Yeah, so this 10-year-old kid. Come on now, kid. 25. Uh, we'll see what the, what the rest of these uh, mascots look like. Once again, oh my goodness, this kid and I are disagreeing on a lot because number 24 on this list was one of my favorite mascots on my entire 30 Stadium Tour, and that was D. Baxter, the Bobcat from the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, I don't understand. Why is it a cat, though? Yeah, so here's the caption. A Diamondback is a rattlesnake. This thing is a Bobcat. Uh... <laughs> they include a video of a yeah, bobcat. I'm a cat lady. My, I love cats. Well, they show a video of a bobcat fighting in a rattlesnake and winning. Though it's understandable that Arizona didn't want a snake as a mascot, it could have made this thing look a little bit friendlier. Here's the thing. I'm not even, I don't, I, I have no opinion on whether or not it should be a bobcat or not. You have no opinion on that? I don't. I think it is, it's. They're a snake. Do you want a snake to be your mascot? Sure, you can make a fun-looking, cool-looking, crazy snake. It'd be a weird costume, though. It'd oh, be a... Yeah, but it would still be cool. Okay, well... I, the... think, I think there's a way you can make a cool... You remember the snake that's the that's the king in the Robin Hood Disney movie? Sure, of course. Yeah, that's a cool-looking snake. But that's animated, though. Yeah. I've never seen a costumed version of that. Yeah, but you could still... Fi I bet you could figure out a way to do a fun-looking, cool... You could get, like, the... The Henson Company to come up with a cool <laughs> way to do a snake. Yeah, they're pretty close to Disney out there in Arizona. But I he, defy them. Here's what I'll say. I, I, well, yeah, I, the reason I have no opinion on the actual character, I would not mind if he was a snake because the gentleman or, or lady, the, the human person that is inside that costume, did a phenomenal job of, in, of engaging a lot of fans, running around through the entire stadium, playing little games with all the fans, adults, kids, you know, shaking hands, slapping five, holding signs, like very, very engaged with multiple people, which I really appreciated. Didn't just stand on the field and wave, really kind of tried to, throughout the game, you know, get people up and going. I can't comment because I haven't been there yet. Yes, yeah, so we will see when we go to Arizona uh, sometime soon here that uh, if the mascot lives up to my memory of it. So let's go to number 23. <laughs> This is the Washington Nationals mascot. Uh, his name is Screech. Would you like to explain what we're looking at here? It looks like a bald eagle, I guess. Kind of with his mouth agape, his beak agape. Wearing a, wearing a Washington Nationals hat and jersey. Yeah, it's, so the caption underneath here, underneath here is, uh, in case you thought nothing else in this world would be named Screech after Saved by the Bell ended, the Nationals proved you wrong. He is a big bald eagle in a uniform. And that's cool and patriotic and very DC. He also loves classic rock like the Eagles and the Steve Miller song, Fly Like an Eagle. He's pretty much all about Eagles, but at least he's honest about but it. I don't think he came out when we were there. We saw the presidents do their, their you know, their the big race. giant heads, yeah. You got the big giant headed uh, presidents and, and uh, yeah, I'm not sure if I we saw Screech. Him. I don't remember seeing him. Regardless, the picture is kind of terrifying. Those eyes are, are have seen something. Those eyes look look uh, pretty scary. Number 22, another one which is a goofy looking face. Uh, the Miami Marlins and Mr. Billy the Marlin. Uh, I'm just gonna read the caption before we get into this. You'd think that a Marlin would be a would make for a good mascot, but Billy's 
plasticized head and razor-sharp bill make him more terrifying than you might prefer. Also, fish don't have arms and legs. Just saying. And Billy the, Mar uh, Billy the Marlin definitely does have legs and is holding a giant baseball mitt in one. Yeah, it looks like a weird picture. Again, I haven't been to Miami. Or not again, I haven't said this yet. I haven't been to Miami um, Marlins. Is it... What is the name of that? Miami Marlins Park? Miami Marlins Stadium? Uh, uh, Marlins, Marlins Park, I want to say. Marlins Park? Yeah. Um, haven't been there yet, so I can't comment. But I will comment when I see him. Okay. Moving on. Here we go. Oh, boy. Hold on. <laughs> you, uh, you, you know by the reaction what this mascot's going to be. You should be happy. He's 21st. He's pretty low down on the list. He's ugly. He's ugly. Yeah. I like the... I, Hold on. Let, let me say who it is. I respect the Cardinals. But he's ugly. The St. Louis Cardinals and Mr. Fred Bird. He's ugly. Ugly face. Weird looking bird. And here, and, and Anthony did not read the caption. I will read the caption now. <laughs> Fred Bird is a big, dumb looking cardinal who looks something like, oh, I'm sorry, who looks like something a group of kindergartners created in art class. Let's move on. So this 10 year old child agrees with you that Fred Bird is a weird looking dude. Now here we have Cleveland Indian Slider, and I don't think we saw a Slider. No. I I met Slider. Uh, what, is, what is it? It's so once again. Here's the caption. Even, I'm looking at the picture and I can't even tell what it is. It's purple and yellow, polka, dot, polka dotted. I think it's what happened is people saw the fanatic and were kind of like, we don't quite know what the fanatic is, and we're gonna go and do these crazy, ridiculous monsters basically that don't really have an origin, don't really have a a, a, they're not based on any real animal, and that's kind of, I think people have, don't realize what's so great about the fanatic, but we'll get to him probably in a while, but we'll get to him soon. The Cleveland Indians mascot is called Slider. He's purple with yellow polka dots, yellow nose. The caption reads, the spawn of some horrible breeding experiment gone wrong. Slider was first introduced in 1990, which explains a lot since people were dressing like this then. Once again, you'll have to check out the picture on clubhousepodcast.com, but uh, it's a terrifying creature. But I will say that Slider was awesome to me when I was on my 30 Stadium tour. I had my Tigers hat on. I'm sitting inside a progressive field inside of Cleveland, and he came, and when I took a picture with him, he threw my hat down, and he put, it, you know, he put his hand in front of my hat, and he pretended to beat me up for everybody, and, you know, it was just, it was really fun and engaging and cool and I really liked Slider quite a bit. We're going to take just a brief break so that Anthony and I can tell you about our first giveaway. I have a 2016 baseball stadium's wall calendar for sale through TF Publishing. They're available at Amazon.com, Calendars.com, as well as your local Meyer Big Lots, Stop and Shop and more. I'll include all this info about how you can purchase one of my uh, calendars at my website, roundingthird.net. But for now, Anthony has a very exciting announcement to tell you all about. So uh, we're going to have our first giveaway. It's a giveaway contest. Here, It's very simple. Uh, we are always looking for more trivia questions to ask our, our guests for, their, for the game that we play at the end. Um, so if you have any cool trivia questions about your favorite team or about any team that you love or anything, send them to us, please, at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at clubhousepod. And we will look through those. And if we wind up using one of your questions, we will give you a free signed wall calendar. And it will be signed by Manish, who was the photographer. He will sign the Detroit Tigers, Comerica Park picture. And I will sign the Wrigley Field picture because I am a diehard Cubs fan. So send us your questions, please. And uh, good luck. If you are a new listener to the Clubhouse podcast, Welcome. For more great baseball conversations, take a look at our archives, like our chat with the owner of the Brigino Baseball Clubhouse in Manhattan, Jay Goldberg. In this clip, Jay explains why Shea Stadium will always be his favorite ballpark. You know, it's funny because, uh, yeah, it was a dump, but it was also beautiful in, sure. in a way to a Mets fan. Sure. It's because it's my dump. Exactly. exactly. And <laughs> no, it was that's, really that's... New York. It's kind of like if you love New York, you love like the I think it was a Cole Porter song or whatever. I, I, I love the stink of it. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just the way it is. It's so you love. I loved all the concrete. It's very New York. That yeah, yeah. And now we take you back to our discussion about mascots and baseball. 
Number 19, back-to-back -back jacks here of the AL Central, the Detroit Tigers, and Paws. This is a straightforward mascot, which is refreshing. What else could you possibly do with a team like the Tigers? The only problem is this tiger is pretty boring looking. They're not wrong. Especially when there's other famous big cats like Tony the Tiger knocking around. And he's so cool that he wears a bandana around his neck. Oh, I think you're talking about Tony the Tiger. Yeah, enough about Tony the Tiger. They're great! Do I, does any young person alive know Tony? Is he still around? Do they not do, they have to still uh, do the degree. I don't know. I haven't watched Saturday morning cartoons in decades. Well, so. I know that Saturday morning cartoons aren't around anymore. They, they, they aren't? No, there's nothing? Yeah. Oh, oh, Saturday morning cartoons, I believe last year or sometime relatively recently, they aired their last Saturday morning cartoons. Oh, God. Are gone. My childhood has departed. Yeah, but people have the internet now, so it's kind of 24 hour Saturday morning yeah, cartoons. I know, I know so, it's not the same. Believe me, I it's agree. Not the same. I, I miss, uh, I mean, I hate the phrase because it's a marketing phrase, but appointment television is something that I do kind of miss. But back to our list here uh, Pause. I love Pause. Pause is. You know, great. He's not... Not great. Not great. He is... Fine. He's okay. fine. He's fine. But he does engage with the fans. He does do a lot of great interaction. You know, I don't tend to play with him very often when I'm at, you know, Comerica Park. But he is very inoffensive. When we look at, you know, the other mascots that are a little bit wacky and crazy and trying a little bit too hard, he just he's a, he's a very basic run-of-the-mill mascot. Yes. Not a great face, though. Oh, Clark the Bear. Number 18, a little spoiler alert, Chicago Cubs and Clark. He's new, relatively new. He's only been there a couple years, right? I will tell you exactly when he debuted. Named after the street that runs alongside the home plate side of Wrigley Field and houses more Wrigleyville bars than anyone can count, this guy debuted in 2014 to mixed reviews. According to his biography, Clark is the great grand bear of Joa, the most terrifying mascot from the early 90s. We're going to have to... Uh, We're going to find Joa. Joa, here, talk a little bit about your experience with the Cubs' new mascot or what you feel about the Cubs' new mascot. I've never seen Clark on the field yet, even though the, this year when I've been three times to the stadium, I've only seen him outside posing for pictures. And, you know, it's fine for kids. It's, you know, it's a little strange that the Cubs have a mascot, but there have been there's been a... Like uh, Theo Epstein, our general manager, has had a couple funny interactions with Clark, where he kind of, you know, razzes him in a in a in, in a way that's, you know, kind of clever. Um, so I don't, yeah, I don't know if I have much more to say about Clark. He seems relatively inoffensive. But like I said, I haven't seen him doing anything in the field of play at all, or in the dugout, or in the stands. I just saw him posing for pictures, which. You know, I'm all for a kid being able to put, if they want to stand there with a bear with a Cubs uniform on and take a picture, that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Okay, yeah, we're not going to talk about Joa here because Joa was a real bear that they basically brought in to be a mascot for the Cubs. And the title of this piece is Cubs Mascots, A Dark and Tragic History, and I really don't feel like being no. sad right now. No. So. Yes, let's 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 move on. I will include some links to that on clubhousepodcast.com if any of you are interested in finding out the history of Joa the Bear, but keeping a pause in 2015. That's the Clubhouse motto. We're keeping it positive. Number 17, the inspiration for us doing this to begin with is TC Bear, the Minnesota Twins. You heard our thoughts on TC Bear yesterday in Minnesota, so we don't really need to go too deep into it. TC does stand for Twin Cities, but just an ordinary-looking bear. Why is he a bear? Why? Well, because here's why. With a team name that doesn't give you any clue as to what the mascot should be, the Twins played it safe, according to this article. Because they're right. What are you going to do? Have a couple of Twins? I yes, like, we, I like, yes, Minnie and Paul, actually, Paul. yeah. Minnie and Paul should be your yeah, mascots. They have really goofy, cartoony costumes. It could be fun, and they could be goofy with each other, and they'd never leave each other's side, and they could have their... They could have like a big foam weird baseball bat or a big weird glove. Or they I could... love it. Minnie and Paul, let's do it, folks. Yeah. Number 16, the Oakland Athletics and Stomper. I have no idea what that is. It's is that a, a mouse? It's an elephant. Oh, it's hard to tell from this angle. Stomper is an elephant who debuted as the team's mascot in 1997. Former A's skipper Connie Mack is responsible for selecting the elephant to represent the team in the early days of the franchise. Though his 
freakishly trunk, uh, his, though his trunk is freakishly short, Stomper is likable enough. So once again, kind of an inoffensive, just an elephant. Sure. You know, it looks like a mouse to me. Elephants wouldn't like to hear you say that. Elephants are a fear of mouses. Of mice. Mouses? Yeah. Mice? Mice. 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 We just listened to a little bit of uh, Brian Regan uh, before turning on the microphone. So I've got uh, the big yellow one is the sun in my head. If you don't know Brian Regan, go look him up right now. He's a genius. Number 15. Yeah, he was good. He was good when we saw him live. I thought he, was, he had a lot of personality. Actually. Number 15 is another one who likes to do a little... Uh, shenanigans with the first pitch and uh, enjoys liking and enjoys uh, getting it getting into it with uh, fans in the stands and that is the Baltimore Orioles the Oriole bird well this one certainly makes sense and it dates back to 1979 making it one of the older mascots in baseball the name however could use some sprucing up as it's pretty obvious this is an Oriole bird extra points for the aggressive tail he does have a very aggressive tail on his back Number 14 is a monster that I don't quite understand what he is. So ugly, close up. Oh my God, it the is color scheme. The Chicago White Looks Sox. Like the Chicago White Sox Southpaw. Sorry, Jimmy Pardo, not to trash your beloved uh, White Sox, but here's the caption. What is this? Just a big green thing covered in yellow hair. Oh. It looks a bit like a furry dinosaur or something that might live in a very deep hole or under a rock or somewhere beneath the crust of the earth. But it got out, and they dressed it up, and now it entertains children. Go figure. He's not great. And ugly. Just ugly. When we were sitting close enough, we could see the quality of his fur, and it was poor. So the next one, which you have not met yet, so we won't talk too much about it, is the Colorado Rockies mascot, Dinger. Dinger's a pretty good mascot. Is he a, is he a what is he? He's a Triceratops. Yeah, I thought. Do you know why he's a Triceratops? Well, there's all sorts of... Dinosaur bones, I'm sure, in the Colorado. And during area. the construction of Coors Field, they found a fossil of a Triceratops skull. That's cool. Yeah. So you, you educate the kids maybe a little bit. Exactly. It's a blue and yellow Triceratops, which is uh, it's purple. It's purple. It's purplish, yes. And yellow and wearing a. Was that a bonnet? Um, it's kind of a no, because that's a Triceratops. That's like oh, the. Oh, it's got polka dots. It's got multicolored polka dots. It's ugly. <laughs> Don't like it. All right, number. I, mean, I can see how it could appeal to a kid, and the moose. You know, I can see how. Hold the on, moose we gotta say we gotta we gotta let people aren't watching this with us. I know, but number twelve. Now there, there's, no, there's no more suspense. Which is number twelve? Oh, he spoiled it. Number twelve is a Seattle Mariners Mariner moose. You know, he debuted in 1990. He was selected as the team's mascot by a child, so you can't get mad at that. A kid picked it. Uh, you know. He's not bad. He has a moose's corner in, uh, uh, he has a little spot to live in at when you go to Safe Go Field. Other, what were the other choices? Is, does it say? This does not say, so maybe I'll, I'll, I'll try to find that answer out for you. But this leads me to believe that, because it says that it was selected as the team's mascot by a child, not by some children. So maybe it was some guy's kid who said, hey, I want this to be a moose. That sounds like a great focus group situation. <laughs> well... What I liked about the Mariner Moose is that he's got a little, his little home in Safeco Field, which I'm not sure if you got a chance to look at when you were there, where you can, before the game, he's got kind of a little den that he lives in, and you can snap pictures with him so families can go and go take pictures with him and see where the moose lives. So once again, for kids, it's super, super exciting. Yes, for you and I, it, who cares? Mascots are not aimed at our demographic. I was too busy searching for the renowned garlic fries, which were... Phenomenal. You know, we got to at a certain point, you abandoned me and saw a game in Oakland and Seattle without me. And so we're going to have to talk about that. Maybe not now. Maybe uh, on the next podcast, we will talk about your thoughts of Safeco and O.Co. Coliseum. Which is the weird, terrible name, O.Co. Overstocked. We'll get, we'll get to that later. Oh. We're doing, oh my goodness, kid. All right. This, this mascot list may have just become invalidated. Because number 11 is way too low on this list. He might be, I won't, I won't, you know what? Number 11 for the Houston Astros, Orbit. I don't know him. I don't, I I've sent you a couple of video clips of Orbit, haven't I? I don't think you have. All right, well, then I need to send you a couple of video clips of Orbit because Orbit in recent years, he is a, a space creature. He's a green alien type dude. 
you know, he's fuzzy. He's got you know an orange nose and he's got like antennae. Like rip off a fuzzy. It's not about the look though. How Orbit interacts with the players and the fans on the field is ingenious. I mean, look, we're going to spoil the list now because everybody know, reading this list, I haven't looked at it, but assumption is being made. The Fanatic's probably going to be number one. It's kind well, of the Fanatic is... looking at it, we don't know what the kid's going to find interesting. But with Orbit, though, Orbit is almost... He's getting to Fanatic-level uh, uh, shenanigan, uh, you know, just, just weirdness on the field. When Mike Trout comes to play, he gets a giant fishing hook and he starts trying to catch him a trout and he throws a fishing line at Mike Trout as he's trying to do his warm-up drills. He will try to play Jenga with giant, giant, massive Jenga pieces and try to, you know, uh, mess with the, the opposing team's players. When Adrian Beltre comes to town, he holds a giant sign that says, I'm not touching you, and his finger goes very, very close to his head. You know, he does a lot of just wacky, cool, little fun, engaging things. I'll put some of the videos up on clubhousepodcast.com in the show notes section. Endless entertainment with Orbit. But he looks like a ripoff of Fozzie Bear. So those, those are demerits. Okay, fair enough. I cannot disagree with that. Number 10 is another weird-looking monster creature for the Tampa Bay Rays, and that is Raymond. Can what you try and explain what, what Raymond is, even? I don't even know. He looks, yeah, he, he's got bad... Bad, weird, long mustache kind of hair, but on his cheeks and jowls and nose. Kind of a, not, not, not even a mutton chop, just if his mutton chops grew really long. Yeah, and I also, when I went to Tropicana Field, I do not remember encountering him. So yeah, he's he is, uh, according to this website, Raymond is some sort of a mutated thing pulled from the dirty waters of the Gulf of Mexico. He's got hair all over his face and looks like something you find buried in wet mud. Yeah, he's not great. So number 10 is kind of high on this list. Number nine, the San Diego Padres, the Swinging Friar. This is what you could, you know what? Minneapolis with Minnie and Paul, you could make someone that looks like the Swinging Friar. I agree. And again, it's funny, like I've been to a lot of these parks now and I don't, I really haven't seen all that many in person. Well, here he's saying that unfortunately the always hilarious San Diego chicken is not the official mascot of the Padres. This team's official mascot is just as ridiculous, but in a completely different way. With the Swinging Friar, I think, I think he hangs out uh, on the field a little bit, but I don't think he does a lot of the jumping on the dugout. I'm not sure, actually, don't quote me on that. Padres fans out there, uh, email us in at clubbosspodcast at gmail.com and let me know how much you've interacted with the Swinging Friar. I don't remember him either, actually. Yeah, but he's but the picture looks. I mean, he looks he looks like a cool, fun, cartoony character. So that's cool. I have no problem with that. Number eight from the San Francisco Giants, Lucille, the seal. Yeah, that's a. I, I like that. Does Lucille always wear those sunglasses? That's a question for our Giants fans out there. So Giants fans, let us know. Does Lucille always wear those stylish orange sunglasses? Uh, I don't know if those are sewed onto his costume or not, but. Uh, Looks pretty. Looks pretty good. Yeah, he looks cute, and I'm sure you know. Again, I don't. I don't remember when I went to AT&T Park if uh, if he was if there were any antics that I got to witness. But yeah. All right, we're gonna have to go through these kind of fast because we're running out of time here for this episode. So let's just let's uh, power through these. We've got number seven, the Boston Red Sox, Wally the Green Monster. Any thoughts on Wally? I mean, he's just he's a green monster. Yeah, he looks appropriately like a green monster. You know, so many of these monsters do look like ripoffs of the Henson yes. designs, but, you know, I guess how you know, what can you do? So here we've got the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pirate Parrot is what they call him. Yeah, he's good. He's good, and he's good in person. I've seen him in person more than once, and he's got a good vibe to him. He's funny, goofy. Got some weird googly eyes, which is always fun. Yeah, he's green, which is appropriate. Right? Yeah, green with a big yellow beak. You know, he, he looks good. Number five, we've yes. discussed him on the podcast Yes, before. Mr. and Mrs. Matt. Mr. and Mrs. Matt. And they have baseball heads, and what more can you want? And they, yeah, they look like human beings with baseball heads. What more can you want? Nothing else needs to be said about Mr. and Mrs. Matt. I got genuinely excited when Mr. Matt wanted to take a picture of me on my tour, and I posed with him like a five-year-old child, and I am not ashamed to admit it. 
Number four is another good one where when I went to the game on my tour, he was actually signing autographs. It was very adorable. There was a line around the stadium of this, gen of this mascot signing autographs for babies and kids. And that is the Kansas City Royals Slugger. That's Slugger with three R's. He's a yellow lion with a crown coming out of his head. It's not even a crown on top of his yeah, head. His like, head is made of a crown. Yeah, it looks a little weird to me. Looks a little weird that he has the head coming out of it. It looks like he's got a condition. <laughs> well, he does a good job. And it's something that I don't want to ruin for you once we get to Kauffman Stadium, which we are headed to next. So maybe we'll talk about Slugger when uh, we're actually in Kauffman. But I actually do like the crown quite a bit. Number three is the Cincinnati Reds They've got so many mascots, it's ridiculous. But let's just go through some of them. Mr. Redlegs, Gapper, Rosie Red, and then there is also a fourth that I am blanking on his name, and they don't have it listed here, but he is a... They're basically all versions of Mr. Met. They have a baseball heads. One of them has a large... But they're old-timey. They are old-timey. And one of them has the, the... As we talked about in the podcast before, the Cincinnati Reds are the oldest... Yeah, the original baseball team. So yeah, I'm 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 all for them. They, I love them. I love them, and they do a great job during the game of different versions of them coming out and having fun. The guy with the old timey handlebar barbershop mustache just looks so psychotic to me, but so much fun. And the big goofy smile on on Mr. Red Legs. Gapper is the only one that he's this kind of red looking generic monster that you see there. That you know. I don't think you need him. I think just having the, the baseball-headed family is enough. Amen. No, oh, number two. Oh, good Lord. Uh-oh. Oh. Oh. We're going to have a very violent reaction now. Number two, the Milwaukee Brewers and Bernie Brewer. No, boo. I'm not offended by Bernie Brewer, although I, mi I miss Bernie Brewer sliding down his slide into a giant uh, mug of beer, which they no longer do at uh, Miller Park. Here, kids. Slide into a mug of beer. Well, that's called Miller Park. I mean, it's beer is a part of, of the culture of baseball in general, and America, to be honest with you. What a mustache. Just tremendous looking. And with a good story attached, too. Bernie was created in, our, in honor of Milt Mason, a 69-year-old man who in 1970 camped out in a trailer atop the scoreboard and vowed not to come down until attendance topped 40,000. Come on, I love this man. It took a little over a month for that to happen, and a few, few years later, Bernie was born. Bernie is so cool that he lives in a beer-barreled chalet and slides down from his perch into a beer stein. Well, that doesn't happen anymore, following every home run and team victory. But he's based off of a real-life dude who is a huge Milwaukee Brewers fan. That I actually did not know, and I'm not offended by Bernie Brewing being this high up. Sure, but he looks a little decrepit, at least these days. He's an older book. It's a, it's a mascot from the 70s, and maybe they don't want to update it to mess with uh, Mr. Mason's legacy. All right, fair enough. But So I do like that. Milt Mason, you are the man. I really, really like you, and that's, that's a really cool story, and... You know, no other mascots are based on anyone in real life. That that's 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 so pretty cool. So but the here's the kid got it right. Well, of course he got it right. It's not even. It's here's number one. Shocker, shocker. The greatest mascot in the history of professional everything. The Philly fanatic. Yeah. So I wonder. That's awesome. That the kid got it right. Because the one thing the Philly fanatic does not do is he does not look like a ripoff of the Henson. He doesn't. And he's got his crazy uh, the the beak of his with the with the with the tongue that flies out. Him riding around the park on an ATV and messing with the umpires and messing with that. He is, the Fanatic is just the absolute best. There, you, you cannot, I mean, people like to say the San Diego chicken uh, for the, uh, in basketball, or the, the uh, I'm sorry, the, the Phoenix Gorilla for the Suns because he's the Phoenix Suns mascot for uh, basketball. And he does all these flips and dives and that's, and he does all these crazy slam dunks and all that nonsense. The Fanatic is perfect. I love the Fanatic. We all love the Fanatic. And Lord knows the Phillies need something to smile at these days. And you know what? I honestly, if, if I were a Phillies fan, I know it's been a frustrating couple of years, and, you know, uh, you'll pull out of it some ways. Now, to be fair, you guys got a World Series pretty recently, so settle down a bit. I'd love to have a World Series. But at least you got the Fanatic. No matter what's happening, 
you got the fanatic. You've got the stories about you guys booing Santa Claus and booing all that stuff, which to me, I think are overplayed stories that really are, are sensationalistic and not truly representative of some of the amazing, awesome, great Phillies fans that I've met. But I don't think you guys have ever booed the fanatic. And for that, I thank you because I wish we could all have a little bit of fanatics in our life, a little Philly fanatics in our lives. And just make sure your day's brighter. True. So I think that's going to wrap up uh, this episode of the Clubhouse Podcast. We would love to hear your thoughts on what you think about your mascots or what you think about mascots in general. Please, 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 please get in touch with us. We love hearing from you guys. We've been reading some amazing emails and tweets while we've been on the road, and it's just, it's, we try to respond to absolutely every single person that does uh, uh, contact us. So it might take us a little bit of time to get back to you, but we absolutely will. So that's going to wrap up another episode of the Clubhouse Podcast. I think we had a little bit of fun talking some mascots, talking some some fun and, and frivolity of baseball. Yes. We are headed to Kansas City where we'll be seeing Kauffman Stadium. I'm very, very, very excited to hear Anthony's thoughts on Kauffman Stadium. So ladies and gentlemen, we will see you next time here in the clubhouse. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes and share this with your fellow baseball friends. Leave us a five-star review and a comment. That just makes it easier for other folks to be able to find out about our podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at ClubhousePod. Visit our website, clubhousepodcast.com, for extensive links and information about some of the baseball moments we discuss on the show. There are also photos from our cross-country road trip for you to peruse at your leisure. We love hearing from our listeners and getting you involved with the discussion, so please email us at clubhousepodcast at gmail.com. Tell us about your favorite baseball stories, your favorite baseball films, why your team or ballpark is so special to you. Or honestly, just if you want to say hello. The home base of the Clubhouse Podcast is the Bergino Baseball Clubhouse located at 67 East 11th Street in New York City. Seriously, folks, this is without a doubt my favorite baseball spot in the country. From the baseball-inspired artwork on the walls to the one-of-a-kind memorabilia for sale and just the amazing baseball fans that are always hanging out on the bleachers inside the store, uh, this place is the best. If you can't make it into Bergino's in person, please visit Bergino.com and pick up a gift for your father, your mother, your brother, your sister, your son, anybody, or even just yourself. If you can make it in, mention the podcast to get a free bag tag with any purchase. The Clubhouse is produced by Zach McNeese. The website and logo were designed by Ronan Jora. You can follow Anthony and I individually at RoundingThirdMJ for me and at AlbinoKid for Anthony. Thank you so much for listening. Have an awesome week.